0: So that you can live your version of an epic and rich life. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and whatever time you're joining me, I welcome you and thank you for being here. This episode was actually supposed to be further down in the queue, but we've bumped it up because there have been numerous people asking for this content. And although I have shared versions of it in previous episodes, there's definitely uh, the need for like a refresher. And I think that enough of you are probably curious about this, or if you're new, you don't know about any um, mention of this content in previous episodes. So I'm just going to do like a really basic run through on the different tech I use in my business and what like really helps me stay grounded. So how the tech supports the systems piece of my business. And, uh, this is probably similar to a lot of the platforms that my clients use. There's different variations for sure, but this is, a really awesome rundown for you if you're new or you're building out your business or you're wondering and you're curious about what systems might be replaced by something else. So I'm going to run through here and um, let you know what we, what we use. So let's start with uh, my sales process. Okay, so for the sales system in my business, we use Thrivecart and Stripe. I used to also have PayPal, but it just got a little bit confusing managing two different banking things. So now everything is done via Thrivecart as the client-facing payment page that they that they get and that they Use to plug in their credit card details and their payments and all of that. And then Stripe is the back end for me. That's where I log in to transfer funds into my different bank accounts and monitor what my sales are, what my revenues are. Uh, it even tells me like money coming in, money going out. And um, yeah, it's just really, it's really helpful. So Thrivecart is client-facing, Stripe is connected to Thrivecart, and on the back end, I'll log into Stripe, and I'll be able to deposit any payments that have come through into the account that I select. I frequently get asked about um, like American and Canadian money things because I do live in Canada, but I charge in US dollars, and I can probably do a whole episode for why that is. The short and sweet of it is because everything in my business is in USD. Like my mentor gets paid in USD. Uh my team gets paid in USD. Like all almost all of my expenses are in USD, like my big expenses. And so also I've lived all over the world, right? I've lived in Japan, I've lived in South Korea, I've lived in Hawaii and I didn't know where I'd be living. Like in 2020, we moved to Europe and I was living between Greece and Italy for a period before we had to come back to Canada due to COVID and all the things there. But essentially, I've always traveled. I've always lived internationally. And the US dollar is the global currency. I have clients all over the world, um, Australia, Switzerland, the UK, America, Canada. And actually for a very long time, the smallest group of my clientele were Canadians. And so it just didn't make sense for me to charge in CAD when my clients were very international. I was always all over the place and all of my bills were in USD. So it just became the currency that made sense for me and my business. And obviously now I am more anchored in Canada. I am more rooted in Canada, but my business is still very global. And so I continue to do U.S. dollars. Now, the thing that comes up with clients is they'll say, okay, but like, are you transferring U.S. dollars into a Canadian dollar bank account? You don't need to worry about that. Stripe will do a conversion for you based on the account that you're depositing it into. Uh, at least my mine is set up this way, and so if I'm transferring it into a US dollar account, it stays. And if I have to transfer anything into a Canadian dollar account, it'll do the conversion automatically. And they have their own metric for measuring that. Their own, um, I guess, like how much you have to pay per transaction, their transaction fees. All of that is sorted, so you don't have to worry about that on the back end as much. What you need to worry about is literally just what currency you are going to charge in for the client. And then also you have to make sure that you keep track of that for tax season. So I cannot give out any tax or legal advice. This is not tax or legal advice, but I'll just say that in the past, I've had more work than necessary because I allowed multiple currencies to work in my business. And so then we had to do a lot of extra work at tax season. Another reason why we just do USD and uh, in general is pretty seamless when I keep things simple in the back end. I just, I wasn't planning on even talking about that in this episode, but I get it so often that I figure at least one or two of you listening are wondering the same thing if you live in a part of the world that is a different currency to the one that you charge in. Okay, so Thrivecart, front end, Stripe, back end, Thrivecart, you'll make the um, the currency there. You'll make note of what currency you're charging in there. And then in Stripe, depending on what account you're going to transfer your funds into, they'll do conversions and things for you there. Okay, my CEO sales system is... Pretty basic in a way, but also not. So I used to have like, I wanted a business that had like ClickUp and all like I played in ClickUp, I played in Dubsado. And at the end of the day, it just felt like it was more complicated than it needed to be for me personally. And also I'm just someone that never wanted to have a huge team. And so it didn't make sense for me to add so much to a system and I found Airtable to be really, really awesome and effective for me. So as a database, I utilize Airtable. Uh, I'm super basic when it comes to like keeping tabs on ideas or notes for content or anything like that. I plug things directly into the notes app on my phone and then I'll plug them into a marketing like plan thing on Airtable after the fact. As I build out the plan, but everything is in my notes. Uh, anytime I'm recording a podcast, I've got bullet points in in notes uh, on my phone, but I don't often like slash ever. I can't remember ever writing out a whole podcast episode. It's always just bullet points. That's how I work. I'm really good at just speaking off the cuff and I actually work better to just verbalize things versus sitting there and trying to write out a whole episode. So I usually just need prompts and then I can create from that. So the inspiration for prompts will be in my notes app. The strategy and the plan for where I'm going to roll out those ideas will be documented in a marketing plan in Airtable. And then I also utilize Slack a lot. So anytime I have to communicate with anybody I'm working with on a team project, that'll happen in Slack. I use Zapier, which is an automation tool that allows different parts of your business to talk to each other. I use that and create notifications in Slack. So when someone purchases something, I'll get a notification of the sale in Slack because I've automated that um action that responds to happen for me. And anytime uh someone opts in to something that I like a wait list or something like that, I also get notifications of that in Slack. And so for me it was just really helpful to streamline the data and the numbers that I need to be on top of in Slack. So it's all in one place for me. And uh, that way if I need to communicate with anybody I'm working with on the team stuff they also are getting the notifications that matter to them and on the um like the back end for things like my email marketing or wait lists or sales and all of that i'll do the deep dives in those platforms either weekly or monthly, depending on what it is. But I like that I get the notifications directly in Slack so that I know like every day, if I've made a sale every day, if the agreement's been signed every day, if, uh, someone's opted into a wait list or joined a program or one of my passive courses, things like that. All right. So Slack is kind of our home base. I would say And it was intuitive for me because when I worked in corporate, I also had Slack there. So I was familiar with it. And it's on my phone. 90% of the things I do outside of client calls in my business happen on my phone. So I just need everything to be really mobile, really easy, really streamlined for me. And that's worked really, really well. Then in the client system, we have Voxer. So Voxer is a walkie-talkie app. I use that with my clients, my one-on-one clients. It allows you to send either texts or voice note messages there. And I really enjoy the high-touch aspect of Voxer. So Voxer is my client portal between calls. That's where we stay in touch If you have been in Club Rise or you want to join Club Rise, you would be communicating with me in Slack as well. So I have a separate Slack channel just for Club Rise. And that way there's like different um, themes and topics there that we touch. And that way it's more organized. I'm someone that has like never loved Facebook. Like maybe I loved Facebook when I was in. University. So, like, literally since I think 2012, I've hated Facebook and I really don't like the word hate, but like, it really is true for me in this context. I really, really, really dislike Facebook and building a Facebook group never worked for me. I didn't enjoy it. I don't ever want to log into Facebook. I don't run ads, so I don't need to go into Meta's ad stuff. I mean, I do it for clients, but for myself. So, Facebook is like not a thing, although it is a powerful platform for the right communities and the right CEOs when it comes to community challenges or or um, like a community portion of a group program or something like that. I know it's really powerful. I know it can work really well. And many of my clients do still leverage Facebook. Personally, I'm not a fan, so there is no need for Facebook in any of my programs And I enjoy that Slack is community-based in Rise, but it also is just on my phone. I don't have to log into Facebook. And people who want to hop in and are more interested in some topics versus others don't get overwhelmed by all the notifications or, like, things getting bumped down the line because someone's commented on a previous thread. Like, there's none of that in Slack. So Slack works really well for my group stuff. And, yeah. We'll leave it at that Slack over Facebook. For me personally, I've done a lot of client research on this and market research, I should say, and there are, I will say this, there are definitely some people who prefer Facebook over Slack and my market research has pointed to that, but it's increasingly less popular. And so if you're on the fence about it, I recommend just pulling your audience or your community, your current clients, and just seeing if they're on board. And if it's like a really hard no for you that you don't want to be on Facebook anymore, I recommend just doing what works for you and people will get on board eventually. The first time I rolled out Slack, it was kind of confusing for people. They didn't love it. I got mixed reviews. I think it was pretty much this is not for sure, but for memory, I think it was pretty much 50 50 uh, with people like enjoying it and people preferring Facebook. I ended up rolling it out midway. So they had a comparison. But the next round, I did just like, and everybody gave it a five out of five in terms of uh, enjoyment. So it might be one of those things you just have to roll out and teach your people that this is your new way of doing things. I use acuity scheduling for calls and calendars and things like that. I do also use acuity as my personal calendar, although Google Drive and Google Calendar is something I use in my personal life. So my husband and I will have a shared family calendar on the Google Calendar, but most of my business things will be in acuity. So not just client calls, but I'll block time in there for things I'm working on, etc. So I'm a QT fan. I love it. Uh, Similar to Calendly. If you're using Calendly, it's another great option. They're very similar. And then I have my client's learning hub in Thrivecart Learn. We made the switch from Kajabi for numerous reasons. That could also probably be its own podcast episode. But I am happy with Thrivecart Learn. Everyone so far is happy with Thrivecart Learn. The only thing I would say is that I do have to upload my videos to Vimeo. And then from Vimeo, I can plug them into Thrivecart Learn because it won't host the video. Whereas in Kajabi, you could host your videos directly in Kajabi. So like if you created a video, a tutorial, you could directly add it to Kajabi from your desktop, and that would work well. Thrivecart Learn doesn't allow you to do that. You have to add it to Vimeo, and then from there, from hosting it in Vimeo, then you can uh, put the link to embed it into Thrivecart Learn. The only thing is, it's a little bit extra work and it's an extra fee to have to pay for Vimeo. But when I did the math on how much I was paying Kajabi, it was significant savings to make the switch over to Thrivecart Learn. And in general, I actually preferred the personalization I can do in Thrivecart Learn. So I can create a different experience there that I enjoy. And uh, there's a lot of reasons I prefer it, especially because there were so many tools in Kajabi that I was not leveraging. Like I didn't use them for emailing or anything like that. So if you're looking for an all-in-one, Kajabi might still be a better option for you. But for me, I just wasn't utilizing all of Kajabi's tools in my business. And so the price didn't make sense for me. And I'm really happy with Thrive Cart Learn. And then depending on what we're working on, I'll put my client's notes into Notion or Trello And uh, we'll stay connected that way with a private dashboard for checklists and commitments and accountability and any private resources that I've created for them will be uploaded into their portal there as well. There's a few amazing databases specifically for coaching that I'm currently exploring, But I haven't made the official switch over yet. So if I do, I will update you and let you know how that's gone. Uh, A few of my clients are using paperball and they're enjoying that, especially if they're mostly doing just one on one coaching packages. Paperball is really good for that. So that might be something you want to look into as well. And then for my marketing system, my visibility system, we have made the switch from ConvertKit to Flowdesk for email marketing. And I'll say that I still think in some ways ConvertKit is a little bit more powerful. Flowdesk is just so much more intuitive. It's so much prettier. The templates are great. And from... A user experience, I prefer Flowdesk. Most of my clients now are on Flowdesk as well. Price point, it's still great. So Flowdesk for me is currently winning in my book. And yeah, it is definitely something you don't want to have to do often in terms of like changing your email marketing provider because you can lose emails along the way. So I don't recommend being too disruptive and whimsical with your email marketing system definitely want to be intentional about which one you pick and why you're picking it and pick one that you know you can grow with that would be my tip there i host my podcast on buzzsprout and that allows me to have my podcast registered on all the different directories So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're joining in from, it's a directory registered via Buzzsprout. So when I want to see my data, demographics, all of that, I can see that on Buzzsprout. Descript is amazing for podcast editing, side titles, all of that. And InShot is awesome for video editing. It's an app that I have on my phone that allows me just to edit right there. And then I still do edit my reels in Instagram because they tend to just be not too complicated. And also obviously Instagram wants us to be in their app as much as possible. So for the algorithm and all of those things, it makes sense for me. I don't complicate it and I will use InShot for anything that is a little bit more complex or longer form. Like when I was doing my YouTube videos, I would edit them in InShot. For example, I use Canva. I do have the pro version. I think it's definitely worth the $10 a month. I use it very, very often and regularly in my business. That's for graphics, uh, workbooks, a lot of different things. Uh, Canva is my go-to, and then I host my website on ShowIt with a template. So there you go. My different systems from sales to my CEO system, my client system, my marketing system, and the different tech platforms I use to automate things, keep my life simple, and get my clients amazing results, give them an awesome experience, and keep my team on task with all of our goals. I hope this episode has been helpful for you. And if you have any questions, feel free to email me, robin at robingooding.com, or hop into my DMs at robin.gooding on Instagram. I will be back in here next week. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm Robin Gooding, and you've been listening to The Profitable Way Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at robin.gooding and join the Facebook community through the link in my Instagram bio. It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe, rate, and review this episode so that I can continue to share this message with other entrepreneurs looking to pursue their dream online. I hope you'll join in next week for another episode and I hope that you always remember that the best is yet to come.